What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, second podcast of the day. It's not daily. It's double daily. I'm Will Brinson. This is an emergency Russell Wilson podcast. And I brought Brady Quinn on just to listen to Fish in the background on his cell phone while he talks to me about Russell Wilson. What do you think about that? <laughs> well, look, in my mind, I think this was about as expected as it gets. Um, the, the bottom line is the Seattle Seahawks weren't going to let him get away. I don't, I don't care how much draft compensation uh, they were going to get in return for a guy like Russell Wilson. The bottom line is it's seldom you find a guy who's, uh, without a doubt, a franchise quarterback, potentially a, a Hall of Famer at this point, if you look at what he's done. I mean, he's the best player you've ever had in your organization's history. Never had a losing season. You won a Super Bowl, been to two. I mean, yada, yada. You can keep on going down the line. Uh, I expected this deal to get done. I thought the uh, the ideas and speculations about trades were kind of wild in my mind. Well, um, just for to give uh, everybody – so, again, if you listen, there's a, there's a show up right now on the podcast feed that's me, Sean, Ryan, and uh, John – and we're talking about uh, a little bit of uh, five minutes of Russell. And I basically was like, ah, they're not going to get a deal done. Come on. They're not going to hammer out a deal. Uh, deadline spur action. And, and that's just how it works around the NFL. And about midnight PST. So basically 3 a.m. as the uh, Warriors were gagging up a, a 31 point lead to the Clippers and, and most of America was sleeping. Uh, Russell Wilson and the Seahawks agreed to a new contract that will add four years, $140 million. Uh, that includes a $65 million signing bonus, and it makes Russell Wilson the highest-paid uh, quarterback across multiple categories. Russell then, Brady, took to Twitter, shirtless, in bed with Ciara. Hey, said, Seattle, we got a deal. <laughs> Go Hawks. Go Hawks. But I'm going to see y'all in the morning. Good night. Time for y'all to go to bed. Finally, we can go to sleep. <laughs> See y'all in the morning. What kind of weird voice is that? Why is he doing that weird, sexy gangster voice? What is happening? What, what is going on around well, here, Brady? There was a little bit of a southern draw. We do have to remember Russell Wilson uh, did grow up, I believe, in Virginia. Richmond. some time yeah. in North Carolina. He was at NC State. So, he, he was. Uh, if that's, you know, usually when people are either tired or drunk, you start to hear the accent come out a little bit. So maybe that was part of it. Uh, outside of that, he's a paid man. So he can pretty much talk and say whatever he wants now because he just made a boatload of money. Um, and, and that's, you know, it, it's funny. Like when you think about this deal and just how it was constructed and you said deadlines do deals, let's just go back for a second and realize this is a fictitious deadline. They set the deadline <laughs> April 5th. There's nothing happening besides the workouts. I mean, if they would have woke up today, and they would have offered him that deal today. Uh, outside of maybe Russell Wilson feeling a little bit disrespected, which I think you could probably get over if you got the same deal at 9 a.m. Eastern or 6 p.s. 6 a.m. PST, uh, you'd probably still accept the deal. So uh, <laughs> the fact that they put this fictitious deadline, that was interesting to me. The fact that he goes on Jimmy Fallon and talks about potentially being in New York, mm -hmm. which created the speculation of, well, wait, does Russell Wilson want to be in Seattle? Yes, for that much money, uh, a lot of people, I, in fact, everyone would want to be in Seattle. Um, so it was just interesting how uh, Russell Wilson, Mark Rogers, his agent, 
has represented him throughout the course of his negotiations. And I think he either needs to get an Academy Award for the way <laughs> they played it out the first time, you know, leveraging baseball. I mean, if you'll remember off of his rookie deal, after he'd won a Super Bowl, after he'd been to two, they were like, oh, you know, maybe he feels like he's done enough in this round and maybe he wants to go back to baseball. That's a great point. I forgot odd, about that. Yeah. But, but it worked. It worked. And this happened around like June or July, I think, of that year. That Now they put this April 15th uh, deadline out there, and then people are kind of wondering, all right, what's up with the deadline? Why that early? Well, it was before their off-season workouts. But the other thing is, it's before the draft. And so they could play up this narrative of, oh, does he want to be in New York? Wait, they've got two first-round picks and a pretty high second-round pick. Maybe they'd be willing to trade a bunch of stuff in order to get him with Eli on the you know, last year of his contract. Or the Oakland Raiders, they've got three first-round picks. They could potentially upgrade to Russell Wilson and trade for him before the draft. So the timing of all of it made sense, the way he played this out, talking about, um, you know, Seattle not letting him get away, the way it was even phrased to me, uh, it was about as good of a job as I've seen any player be able to work the media, work social media, to all of a sudden create this pressure for the Seattle Seahawks to, to get a deal done for this fictitious deadline. It was an amazing job by Russell uh, maybe he can now start getting into producing like films or maybe music videos for Sierra because Sierra because I'm definitely not going to complain about that. Uh, knowing knowing Russell Wilson and how on brand he is, uh, that would not be surprising at all. I was talking with Adam Gold here uh, in Raleigh locally. We were, I did the pregame show for the uh, Carolina Hurricanes. Actually predicted they would score five goals. Guess how many goals they scored? Five. Nostradamus yeah. here. Uh, but we were talking about Russell a lot on that. And, and Gold pointed out too that like, um, Russell turned down a big Toyota dealership, a big Toyota, uh, sponsorship when he was, at, when he was first got in the league because he wanted to be, you know, he wanted Mercedes. And, and I think that's very on brand for Russell. And, and you're right. Like this whole thing orchestrated the way that it happened. It was, very Russell, like very on brand for Russell Wilson to play this up in the media one way. And then you hear his agent and he told, uh, Adam Schefter of ESPN, at the end of the day, this is Mark Rogers speaking. At the end of the day, my guy wants to live, work, thrive in Seattle, loves this town and its fans. He compromised to stay here. I respect that. And bear in mind, Russell Wilson's deal, uh, gives him, um, a, a new money annual average of $35 million per season, which tops Aaron Rodgers' uh, new money of annual average of $33.5 uh, million. And Wilson's signing bonus tops Aaron Rodgers' signing bonus. His full uh, annual average is 31.5, which tops Aaron Rodgers at 29.5. Basically, he beat Aaron Rodgers' contract in every conceivable way. And, you know, if we're going to talk winners and losers of this contract, I think it, I mean, obviously Russell Wilson is a big winner, but I don't think anybody really thought, Brady, that Russell would be able to put in a fictitious deadline, look the Seahawks in the eye and say, I want to be the highest paid quarterback and I want it now. I want it four days on this fake deadline and that the Seahawks would just turn and cave. And so I think when Mark Rogers says compromise, he is a little bit right. Like this is a, the, the Seahawks didn't just give Russell everything they wanted. This was a, they had to meet, you know, deals get done when people meet in the middle. I mean, they, they did find some common ground here, which tells you just how much leverage Russell Wilson really had in all of this. Well, yeah. I mean, looking at the fact that he's so young in his career, he's never missed a game, all the success he's had. Um, I mean, could you imagine what he would be worth if he was in the you know free agency market? Forty million. Uh, he would make a boatload of money, a boatload. Yeah, I mean, and, and obviously they're negotiating off of the numbers of of multiple years and tags and 
you know, those numbers escalate from somewhere a little above 31 million to then a little above 34, and then it jumps to, to 52 if you look over the course of the next three years after this upcoming year. So, um, you know, looking at the total numbers, I mean, I still need to see more details to the actual contract to ultimately judge it. Uh, but this is in line with about what he should be making and what I was kind of expecting to happen when it was all said and done for him to be the highest paid and him to surpass Aaron Rodgers. I think the interesting thing is you're starting to see teams become more comfortable just shelling out huge sums of money to these players because they know they're making bank. And this, this salary cap has continued to go up uh, with, with the expanding revenue model of gambling going to become more and more part of the NFL. That number is only going to keep going up. I imagine the TV deals will keep going up. So with everything that we're seeing right now with the NFL, as far as the overall health of, of this league, um, they can afford to shell out a bunch of money. I personally feel like the idea of tying your salary uh, to it, to a percentage of the salary cap, um, like some people have speculated or talked about, uh, it, it doesn't mean you're always going to win out. Um, we're assuming the league's healthy. We're assuming the league's always going to go up uh, or it's going to inflate by about, what has it been, 10, 11 million each yeah. year. Yep. Uh, but, but at the end of the day, there, there could be some snags. There could be years where it doesn't. And if you tie yourself to a percentage of the cap uh, for your contract, that doesn't always mean that your future money won't necessarily outpace what the salary cap's going to do. So that, that's, that's obviously one concern. The other thing is, and, and I've, I've said this before, I mean, obviously agents and, and players look at, you know, future years, they're projecting what the cap's going to be, and they understand what percentage of the cap the team wants to stay around. So they're trying to work that figure in there as it is. And, and even if that number is really, really high, what works out well for players is if, if the team comes to them and says, hey, you've got a huge number this year, we need room to pay for other players, we need to come to the bank, that's you. We're going to renegotiate your deal, give you more guarantees in order to create a more cap-friendly contract for you at some point, and, and that's always out there too. So even the speculation that this deal is somehow going to be tied to the salary cap, you know, look, agents and players realize what it is, especially the smart ones, and they loosely try to do that already. It just comes down to, you know, how you want to structure your deal. And I don't think any team ever wants to set the precedent where there's not a number attached to that player's contract, mm. just a percentage of the cap every single year. That would be a bad precedent to set. Yeah, and you know, the other thing too that uh, people probably forget because it's been 10 freaking years is that when the new CBA first came out in, um, in 20, in before the 2011 season, when they hammered it out, the growth of the salary cap was not even like it was a it was a right. stagnating salary cap the first couple of years teams were in cap hell from like 11 to 14 and then the last five years we've seen this annual 10 million dollar explosion as you pointed out and, and that's allowed people a lot more wiggle room so i i do think that i mean i think in the I think you could, if you really, I mean, like, if you really wanted to nitpick here, you could even say that Russell Wilson's agent, Mark Rogers, is a loser in this because he, and not because he did, you know, he landed his quarterback the, the highest paid, uh, contract in the history of football and the highest paid quarterback contract in the NFL. But I think Mark Rogers really wanted Russell to test the open market. I think he wanted him to play chicken the way that, uh, Kirk Cousins did with the franchise tag. I think he wanted to see what would happen with the new CBA. And I think as, as you alluded to, Brady, and as Peter King wrote about in on uh, on NBC Sports, there was some thought process in the Wilson camp 
that we could see a spike in revenues from gambling, uh, as you know, Kim Pagula has referenced. They want to have in the Bills want to have in stadium gambling, and so maybe uh, Rogers wanted to try and 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 break the barriers of contract negotiations and, and contract structures. It's just hard to do that in the NFL, and it's really hard to do it when you got a guy who's played for one team his whole life. And, and don't forget, I mean, like, look, Russell Wilson's been. You, you mentioned NC State. I mean, he had an ugly for lack of a better phrase, divorce from NC State when he went to Wisconsin and he had a, you know, had a real life divorce, you know, with his, with his first wife. Uh, you know, he's been through some splits. I, I, I would, I, I know that he's used, he, you know, he can deal with the, the splits and, and he can deal with moving to a new team. I seriously doubt that Russell wants to go play anywhere else. And even if the rumors about Ciara wanting to play somewhere like New, you know, wanting him to be somewhere like New York are true. Uh, I, I think that, you know, maybe Ciara is a loser in all this too. Yeah. You know, I do think that him, being able to stay in Seattle is great for his personal brand because of how beloved he is uh, with the Seahawks. And you know, he's probably going to go down as the franchise's greatest player. No, he already is, I think, in that respect. You know, look, he, this, this organization stuck with him. Remember, yeah. they moved on from everyone in the Legion of Boom and all that. So they, re- I think there was they rebranded around there. him, yeah. And, and so because they showed him that loyalty, I think he probably showed them a little bit of loyalty, too, in getting this deal done. I'm, I'm sure they didn't push it to the limit. I'm sure they wanted to make this a more amicable uh, situation. And ultimately, if Russell Wilson really wanted to push the envelope, you've got to do some nasty things. You've mm-hmm. got to kind of, if you want to create a fictitious deadline, you know, do it right before the season and say, hey, I'm not going to show up <laughs> unless you're willing to pay me what I think I'm worth. Um, that's typically what you've got to do if you want to get, you know, some sort of, um, you know, precedent-setting contract that we've never seen before in the NFL. And, and that just wasn't going to happen. And I think the gambling revenue is going to continue to be a part of the NFL, but you know we're still years away from being able to implement that. So that wasn't going to you know affect or impact this contract so much, or I think in my opinion, salary cap so much as it will moving forward. Um, you know, really probably his, his next contract where he could maybe, depending on the success he has and how healthy he is, uh, impact that contract. But first off, you talked about winners and losers. You said Sierra's loser. I don't know how she could ever be a loser. Like, look. She's in the video, bro. She's sleeping next to the guy who just got a $65 million signing bonus. That is not a woman who's lost anything at this point. Um, he, he, and look, they should be excited about it. The obvious winners are Russell, in my mind, Sierra, the Seattle Seahawks organization, the fan base, everyone there. Eli Manning for the moment, because obviously there was speculation he was going to go take his job, or really any other quarterback that – hasn't proven themselves to this point. That's even established guys like Andy Dalton, Derek Carr. You know, there's rumors of that kind of stuff. Even, maybe even your boy, Phillip Rivers. You don't think the Chargers would kick the rocks on, hey, what, what would it take to get Russell Wilson down here to mm. play for the L.A. Chargers? Yeah. yeah I, I know you don't want to venture there. But bottom line is the guy's got a Super Bowl. The guy, I think, is still continuing to progress as a player. So uh, those are just some of the winners in my mind. Oh, um, but, but the losers, it's fairly simple, right? The losers are any team that immediately or ultimately needed a quarterback, whether that's, you know, Miami, you could throw that, you know, consideration, Washington Redskins, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but also all the defenses in the NFC West. I'm sure they wouldn't have minded seeing Russell Wilson move on to a different division, maybe even a different conference. Um, but, you know, off the top of my head, that's kind of how I see the winners and losers. And, and I'm not sure who else could you throw in the loser. Maybe every other general manager that has to now deal with the contract negotiation with a quarterback is – 
this is set the bar. This is what every quarterback is going to try to, you know, surpass after this one. Well, no, yeah, I think, I mean, I think if I were going to pick out two losers, well, I'll, I'll give you three losers. Uh, one, me, cause I did a mock draft where Russell Wilson was traded to the Giants on Monday and then he signed the deal. Although I guess you could say I'm a winner cause I got those page views in before, uh, before, before Russell could, before the deal could get nixed, right? Like I got a Pete, Pete Prisker quote tweeted me and called it, um, uh, uh, clickbait. Funny coming from old, uh, Old PD page, old PD page, PD PD page views. That was his way of like retweeting it, but not admitting uh, that. Um, by by the way, uh, so PFT Commodore and I came up with a bet: if the uh, if the Hurricanes, speaking of Pete Prisco, if the Hurricanes beat the Capitals, uh, PFT has to shave Prisco's back, and if the Capitals beat the Hurricanes, I have to shave Prisco's back. And we're not telling Pete about this, so oh, we uh, may we may need some enforcement to hold him down. Um, that you, yeah, I've I've no problem holding him down. That <laughs> we'll get me and Canell on it. You, uh, it should be fine. You and Canell holding down Pete while someone shaves his back and he like he can't do anything. He would come. He would come back with like the highest level of vengeance. Like he would he would murder one of our dogs probably. <laughs> um, anyway, losers. Probably maybe. And by, by the way, my conspiracy theory for like because you didn't mention Seattle wanted to be in New York. My conspiracy theory was if you want to look at like what team at the draft capital trade for him and, and there's a coach that is always looking to upgrade a quarterback, it'd be the Oakland Raiders. Yeah. And I thought it would have been a perfect move for him. You know, you trade away the first round picks, you get Russell Wilson. A year from now they'd be going to Las Vegas. Sierra gets a residency out there. She's making bank, he's making bank, and he's a part of this organization that's in this new destination playing with all sorts of talent, like a guy like Antonio Brown. Uh, who can make plays and get open downfield, which would make a lot of sense. So uh, that, that was kind of like a low-key team that I thought would have made uh, uh, some sense, not only professionally for him, but also for his wife, if she could work out that sort of deal. Mm. So you think Ciara is like a Vegas-level show? I feel like she's above Vegas. But maybe not. I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe Vegas I mean, is... Celine Dion's in Vegas. What are you talking about? Like, is, is, is Celine Dion not above Vegas? I mean, I guess you Ga- make so much money doing that. It's not a bad deal. I guess Gaga's in Vegas, too. It's not like you can't cruise up to L.A. every now and then. I, I would also say, in, in all seriousness, um, that the, that the Giants are losers. I, you know, I, not the, I don't think that they were ever really trading for Russell Wilson, but... Right. I do think that, um, there was a lot of buzz with Giant, like, if, excuse me, if you're a Giants fan, you've been hearing the buzz about Russell and a possible trade and you've been thinking about it for weeks and, and, and now all of a sudden you're, you're back in, into reality and it's, you've got Eli Manning again. And, um, I, I don't know. I, I just feel like this, you know, with two first round picks, one that you got from the Odell Beckham trade, there was at least an opportunity to explore something with the Seahawks if they were willing to do it. I mean, clearly Seattle was not willing to trade Russell Wilson if they were willing to make him the highest paid quarterback. Uh, but you know, I, I think if you're, if you're a Giants fan, you feel a little bit like a loser today because of the, the tease that was the possibility of a Russell Wilson trade. But I, I mean, I don't know how serious anything, you know, anything ever really got if there was anything past a, a, a quick discussion in the hallways at the combine. Right, and, and here's the other thing, by the way. The idea that you could just draft another Russell Wilson, good luck with that. I, like, I know Kyler Murray has a similar skill set. That is not happening. Uh, bottom line, like, Ru- Kyler Murray coming to the NFL and doing what Russell Wilson has done, is, is I mean, that is, it's few and far between that ever happening. So I'm not really sure why people think, like, that Seattle could just figure out a way of doing it again. I think that's kind of disrespectful to what Russell Wilson's done. And also – 
just thinking that it's that easy to come into the NFL and not have that sort of success. Yeah, and, and then the other thing with Russell Wilson, too, that I think is really underrated is not only, A, like, a, how he fits it from a football perspective with what the Seahawks want to do. The Seahawks want to run the football. And I know that when you pay Russell Wilson more money than anyone in the history of football, you, you should, you know, put the offense around him. But Russell Wilson really thrives in, in play action situations. And he has since college. His, his play action numbers at Wisconsin were ridiculous. And his play action numbers in the NFL are ridiculous. He does that like frisbee throw where he, you know, he, he rolls out to the right and then he bombs it deep and you, you like Tyler Lockett spreading underneath it and you see the ball take flight and then it rises like one more level somehow, like it, like an ultimate frisbee situation. Uh, and, I, I just think that he fits. You played a lot of ultimate frisbee in your day, didn't you? I mean, I didn't play a lot of football. You know, we've been over that. Um, yeah. No, I know that. Yeah. A lot of beers, a lot of other <clears throat> recreational stuff, and, yeah. then, uh, and then ultimate frisbee. I love some frisbee golf. We played a lot of that in college. Um, very cool. Uh, the, um, but I, I, he thrives in that situation. I think he thrives in the culture that the Seahawks have too. You know, if you were, if you were creating a quarterback who's like perfectly khakied up, but like kind of cool in a, in a, in a sort of dad kind of way and also like loves to compete to like, to the point where like he, you know, he's like a, like almost a robotic competitive monster, um, an enthusiastic competitive robot, uh, that would be Russell Wilson. So he matches Pete Carroll perfectly. Like they are the mirror of each other in terms of quarterback and and uh, and, and coach and and you, you pointed out you know they, they let the Legion of Boom go they rebranded around Russell Wilson and, and Bobby Wagner and and so uh, from that perspective yeah I mean I think I think that he fits it perfectly and, and it, it makes a lot of sense to do it I, th- I think one more loser by the way to my third loser that I mentioned like twelve minutes ago before going off on a Pete Prisco back shaving tangent um, I, I like somebody like Howie Roseman who is in negotiations with Carson Wentz. Russell Wilson just broke through an, not an imaginary barrier, uh, Brady, but like sort of a glass ceiling of sorts in, cause you know, Matt Ryan got his contract and then Aaron Rodgers got his and there's a lot of talk. It's like, well, that's fine that, that, you know, Russell wants to be paid like Matt Ryan, but you can't be paid like Aaron Rodgers. Well, he just broke through that, which sets it up for whoever comes next to potentially break through whatever Russell Wilson got. I, I don't, I don't think Carson Wentz is going to necessarily do that. But if you're Carson Wentz and you, you know, you've been an MVP candidate at one point, are you just taking less than what Russell got? Are you, you holding out to see what Patrick Mahomes gets? I mean, there's some deals down the line with these younger quarterbacks that could change the market again. Well, I think there's two things you got to think about. There's, you know, whatever the market value is of that player. And, and then there's, you know, really what he's worth and what he's done with Russell Wilson. He's got the ability to talk about both what he's done as well as what he could still do and what his market value is. So he can be up there with the big boys. Carson Wentz can't really make that same argument, but that doesn't mean his agent and him aren't going to still try to get that sort of money because one, it's good for the league, especially for the players and quarterbacks to keep that number going up and up and up. Um, so that's one reason why, but the other, you know, they feel like he can do that. You mentioned the MVP potential season. I think the difference for Carson Wentz is injuries. You know, he's going to have a hard time negotiating that because Russell Wilson's never missed a game. Um, that's not the case with Carson Wentz. So it'll be interesting. I mean, Carson Wentz is one. Jerry Jones, Dak Prescott's another one. Yep. I mean, I'm not sure you can make that case for him, but it makes – that's what I said earlier. It makes every, every general manager's job difficult because every agent, every player is going to say, hey – you know, you, you, you got to buy a new car, right? Well, here's the cost of, of this particular car, right? You got 11 of them on each side of the ball, a couple special uh, specialists, and this is the cost of this particular player if you want a franchise guy. 
And I would agree that Philly is looking at Carson Wentz as a franchise guy. The problem is, is, you know, he's, he's probably not as nice of a car as what Russell Wilson is at this point. Um, but yeah, I look, Besides that, I think the last thing is, you know, why not sign a longer extension if you want to be there in Seattle forever? You know, mm. sign the deal that it's a four-year extension. Don't get me wrong. They will be renegotiating another deal in three or four years if things go as they think it will. And that was kind of interesting thing to me is you could have tacked on maybe another year, but maybe Russell didn't want to do that. I think the length of this contract is interesting because if they did tack on another year, that number could be even higher. Um, but you know, Russell probably realizes that that model of trying to renegotiate the next contract as soon as possible only really bodes well for him and his long-term security, uh, by keeping it shorter. Yeah. And if you look at the deal, it takes him through the 2023 season with Seattle. Uh, so in theory, they'd be renegotiating before the 20, so like, you know, uh, April of 2023. Uh, at that point in time, we might have gotten through those flat cap years. And so we could be seeing a, starting to see a spike in terms of the salary cap. Uh, additionally, he'll be 35 years old, um, when, when his new deal is up. And I think 35 is a nice little number, uh, in, in terms of being able to still leverage yourself on the open market. Russell said he wants to play till he's 40 or 45. I don't know how realistic that is, but certainly I do think, at 35, he's going to be able to say, hey, look, I want to get another massive deal, whether it's in Seattle or somewhere else. Uh, and maybe he sees how this works for Philip Rivers and Ben Roethlisberger at 37, how they're negotiating one or two year extensions, you know, maybe not r- real time five or, you know, realistic five year deals. And so, uh, yeah, from that perspective, if you're Russell Wilson, you can, you can get a fully maxed out deal, uh, once you get into free agency. Do you have to go do a CBS Sports HQ hit, Brady? I do right now, so I will have to uh, pop back on with you once I do this hit. No, no, you're fine. I think we got 25 minutes. We're good. Um, we don't need to. Okay. We don't need to squeeze this lemon any further. I think we knocked out the podcast. Okay. And uh, perfect. So Brady is literally leaving the show. We're hanging up, and he's going to go to CBS Sports HQ. You should watch him on CBS Sports HQ. Real sports news for real sports fans. 24/7 streaming sports network. Hopefully, you have a mock draft, mock draft live show coming. Brady, always a pleasure, buddy. Yeah, thanks. I have to go. How much longer is this going to go on for?